Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Teen Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Before I start this episode, I want to give a shout out to uh, Paula, who's just binging through uh, Feathers in My Hair and has been posting about it on the Facebook group, and it's funny to hear her opinions on episodes I recorded like a year ago, and I know she just finished it today, I think, and I appreciate her and anybody that goes through and binges Feathers in My Hair it's crazy to me, but yeah, shout out to Paula. Hi, girl. Hello. How are we? Is everybody good? I'm good. Teen Mom 2 is back. I like this episode. Did you guys like this episode? I am going to start this episode by quickly, I guess, talking about Young and Pregnant. I don't want to totally fall off Young and Pregnant, Um So I watched this week and I took notes, but I'm not going to do a full recap. I want to say Lexi is the most pathetic character that's ever been on my TV screen. I want to swaddle swaddle her like a baby, put her in a crib, rock the, not like a crib, but like something that rocks, rock her back and forth and give her life advice. Lexi, baby, girl. Oh, this was a tough one for me to watch when it came to Lexi. Kyler is so evil, but in a way that we're not used to seeing on Teen Mom, at least in my opinion, because he's a little bit like Adam in that he won't give Lexi what she wants, but he's not mean. Like, he's mean, don't get me wrong, but he's not ever, like, insulting towards Lexi. So his meanness is extra tough to watch because Lexi is following him around like the saddest little puppy over someone who basically won't even acknowledge her existence. That's, to me, so, so, so pathetic. I, I just, I can't, I can't with her. When Kyler wouldn't even acknowledge that Lexi asked him out, which he asked her to do on a made a handmade onesie that Tobias was wearing. Oh boy. <laughs> Lexi crying was so pathetic. Kyler saying that he likes her. Mind you, they've been together since they were like 13, they're 17, they're 18 now. And he says he likes her, not loves her. I like you. I just don't want to put labels on it. Oh, God. Lexi's going to look back on this and be horrified that not only that she did this, but that it's on TV. There's something so pathetically relatable about Lexi. (laughs) Like, I think most teen girls act like her at some point or another. Maybe not quite as meek, but, you know... It's relatable. That makes it so difficult to watch, in my opinion. So difficult to watch. 
I don't know why her parents aren't being like, Lexi, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know why her friends aren't doing that. I don't think she has a lot of friends. I, I don't know. Lexi is, she's sad. She's really sad. Kyler, I, I want to roundhouse kick him in the neck. He is unbearable to watch. And it's, I feel like if he was just a fucking asshole and was like, calling her bitch or something, it would be easier to watch than whatever he's doing because he acts like he's her boyfriend, he's nice to her, but then when push comes to shove, he won't say that he's his he he's her boyfriend. When he says he doesn't want to put labels on it, like, what's he doing? Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. Lexi, wake up. And they're still together. They're still together. Ugh. Lexi, Lexi, Lexi. Okay, Kayla, literally nothing happened except Stefan's utilities got turned off. So even though he has an apartment, he had to move in with her and her mom. Now, utilities don't just get turned off. You have to miss like three months of payments. (laughs) Oh, God. Stefan, he's awful. And also, he's such a mumbler. I really need subtitles for Stefan. He mumbles like crazy. I can't understand anything he's saying. When he was having a conversation, he went to me with his friend. I like, it was like I could only hear one half of a conversation as his friend was like clearly giving him advice. And I'm like, what is Stefan saying back to him? Ooh, Kayla. I do like the fact that all of Kayla's friends are like, girl, he's using you. He's a piece of shit. He's only with you because you give him what he wants. <laughs> Kayla and Stefan are. I don't know. Kayla is pathetic in a in a way because she's still like holding on to it with Stefan, but at least like Kayla will tell Stefan to fuck off. She busts down the door at a party he's at to curse him out and the girl he's cheating on her with. Kayla will fight back. The thing that so she's a little less pathetic than Lexi, and I think also she feels less pathetic to me because she has friends that we see a lot and friends that like speak honestly to her about her situation. And I think for whatever reason, that makes her come across as less pathetic than Lexi. When Lexi is the literal saddest bird I've ever seen on my TV screen, Kayla's just like, ugh, come on, girl. Kayla is more every 19-year-old in an on-and-off-again relationship, and Lexi's more like every 14-year-old in a sad relationship, but Lexi's actually 17, so it makes it even worse. If that makes sense. I still, unfortunately, I, for her sake... I still think if this show comes back next season, they should dump Kayla and Stefan and go for a four-person storyline. I really think this show would benefit from a four-person storyline. Storyline's probably not the right word to use there. But Kayla and Stefan just aren't very compelling to me. And Kayla, there's nothing compelling about her when she's on the screen. She's... Not ugly, but she's not, like, some striking beauty that your eyes want to follow. She doesn't have interesting things going on in her life. Her story is really more just one and the same. Everybody else brings something different. Lexi is so pathetic. Her life is a little boring, but for whatever reason, I feel compelled to watch Lexi. I think she's very cute. There's just something compelling about her. Jade has a terrible boyfriend. She has the family issues going on. Like, that's fun to watch. Brianna, you guys know I'm obsessed with Brianna. 
Um, who else is on the show? Oh, and Ashley. And of course, we know Ashley has more than enough drama and more than enough angles that we want to follow. Where Kayla, I just don't think she brings enough to the table. She's too meek. I think also the issue is, is that she's so meek and mild-mannered in a way that's, like, not as pathetic as Lexi, so you don't feel sad for her. And watching her, you're just like, okay, dum-dum, like, figure it out. But with Lexi, like I said, I want to swaddle her up like she's a baby. But I don't feel that way with Kayla. Like, I don't feel like I want to give Kayla life advice. I don't feel like I want to help Kayla. Um, She's just not, like, a broken bird to me. I'm just like, Kayla, come on, get real, figure it out. So, yeah, I would like to see this show without Kayla, personally. Um, I don't know if we're going to get another season of Young and Pregnant. I hope we do. I think we will. I mean, from where I'm sitting, not knowing anything about being a network executive, not understanding ratings at all, not knowing anything about budgeting and money, just having zero knowledge, but still speaking with authority on this, I don't see why they don't bring it back. I don't see what why MTV wouldn't at least try to give it one more season. You know, when they canceled Team Mom 3, uh, Team Mom 2 was, like, uh, like pumping out, like, crazy ratings. They were on top of the world. So I, I see why they canceled Team Mom 3 because it was getting shitty ratings. And it was like, eh, who cares? We don't need to bring them back. We have Team Mom 2. But with interest for the other franchises dwindling, I think, a little, I think. I don't... I don't see why MTV wouldn't just film another season. We know in their second seasons, they still don't get paid a lot of money. They don't start really making money until their third and fourth seasons. So, like, come back, pay everybody $25,000 or whatever you pay them, and give us another season. But do it without Kayla. Okay. Jade. (sighs) Sean and Jade, the way they fight, really makes me have some like uncomfortable feelings I'm not quite sure how to describe it but the way they scream at each other just makes me so nervous that there's going to be a physical fight at any time like even compared to like Danae and Brianna when Danae's screaming he just sounds like such a baby having a temper tantrum he like goes in the room he's like ah But, like, Sean and Jade, like, Jade will get in Sean's face. I can't believe Jade didn't get in his face and punch him. Like, I really thought that that's what was coming. I think Sean and the way that Sean and Jade fight is little Gary and Amber, maybe. Um, I would have to go back and rewatch the seasons. But Jade, yeah, the way Jade fights is a little Amber to me. Um, Not that I think Jade is like Amber. I really, I don't think that they're like much at all. But something about her anger really scares me and something about his anger really scares me they all are from indiana huh maybe that's how nicole hun producer nicole is this how they fight in indiana (laughs) let me know but there's something very unnerving when i'm watching them scream at each other like in front of the baby i want to like knock 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 like walking in the door get baby chloe that's spelled like k-l-o-i E with the accent mark over the E. Um, I want to go take that little baby and get her out of there. I think that 
when Sean and Jade fight, there's nothing that's off the table. I think they say, like, the meanest, most horrific things to each other. I mean, in this episode, they're telling each other to go to hell, to shut the fuck up. Like, they are, they insult each other. And I think it's because they just seem to not like each other. Even when Jade's telling us, like, how great things are going with Sean, I'm like, are they? Like, they don't, they don't ever seem to get along, which I think makes her fight seem scarier to me, as opposed to a couple like, for example, Barr and Ashley, who we've seen fight, but they usually get over it pretty quickly, and their, their moments together, they, they're laughing, they seem like genuine friends, they get along. Oh, except I guess all that stuff was on Instagram. Mm, okay, I've already forgotten about that. I will get into that in Barr and Ashley's segment, I guess. But as far as we see on TV. So because Sean and Jade don't seem to get along at all, I feel like their anger is much more deep and dark. And it's like hard to watch because it's like, why are the two of you together? You seem awful together. There do not seem to be any highs to Jade and Sean's relationship. Now, I'm not sure if that's part of the reason is because Jade is just one of those people who like doesn't have a type of personality that gets like emotionally high. Excuse me, I just hiccuped. God, I hope I don't start hiccuping. That would be really annoying. Anyway, um, I don't think Jade is just one of those people who has emotional highs, if that makes sense. I just think she's one of the, she's either like angry or like feeling okay, but she never seems to be like super duper happy or like having a super amount of fun, at least not that we've seen on the show. So maybe it's just her personality. See, and she is like Amber in that way because Amber never, even when she's like being happy or like, "Mm, this seems suspect, never feels genuine. I think Jade would be the same way. But yeah, I just, Jade and Sean fighting makes me feel so uncomfortable. I did live for Jade going to dinner with her family and talking shit with like 12 members of her family and they were all calling him a fucking loser. (laughs) It's so unhealthy. That is not what you should do. You should not go and talk to your whole family, talk shit about your fiance. If you want to have a serious relationship, you go to the dinner and you say, he's not feeling well. I'm so sorry. And you just focus on the baby. And then maybe the one person that you're very close to, your cousin, your aunt, your grandma, whatever, you talk to them later about it. But I love that Jade like does not give a fuck and is so so mature in some ways, but so immature in other ways that she like goes right into that dinner (laughs) and is just like, yep, Sean's a piece of shit. (laughs) He stayed up all night playing those fucking video games and that's not why he's here. Also, I think there might be some drug abuse issues going on with Sean. First of all, I mean, that kid is always so stoned. His eyes like cannot focus. They always look so glassy. I think it's weird that he's staying up all night playing video games. I would assume he's doing that assisted. Uh, Maybe Adderall or Coke or something. Something is... Something ain't right in Sean land. And I think we can all agree on that. I really don't think that's the case with Jade. I would be really, really shocked to find out if Jade abuses drugs. She probably drinks sometimes, smokes weed. But I'd be really shocked to find out if she's doing any more than like what a regular 21-year-old does. But I think Sean is so up and down and unreliable. Maybe, I don't know, maybe his mental health issues. Maybe he's bipolar or something like that. Um, But he's, Sean's not right. Sean is not right. 
I was laughing, actually. On one hand, I was, like, deeply disturbed by them fighting, and then I was laughing when he was like, I don't know how, I didn't know how it'd feel. I don't know how to predict the future. (laughs) Even though, like, at the beginning of the episode, he's like, I can't wait to go be with your whole family. I want them to know I'm here to stay. Oh, God. I don't know. I think he just reminds me of my ex-boyfriend that my ex-boyfriend would, like, make all these grand plans to, like, do this family stuff with me and and be here for that. And then he would be, like, dope sick when the time came around and he couldn't go and I would have to make excuses. So, mm, I'm calling it now something's not quite right about Sean, although I'm not 100% sure what it is. Okay, who's left to talk about? Ashley. Uh, I was glad she apologized to Pastor T, but that's really all that happened, except I did want to hit on her making $23 an hour as a medical assistant. I'm not so sure that's a thing. Just as a medical assistant, I'm pretty sure medical assistants make between like $10 and $15 an hour. Maybe it's different in the state of California. But I was like, what? When she said that. (laughs) I mean, look, like $23 an hour doesn't make you a millionaire, but that's uh a pretty good wage, although they live in the Bay Bay Area, everything's inflated. So I might just be looking, you know, at a California life with Florida goggles. That's it. Um, I have nothing else to say about them, but I, I like watching Ashley. Also, girl, Ashley has had a crazy week. First of all, she posted she's uh, on a diet and she says the doctor says it's totally fine. And she's eating 800 calories a day and working out for over an hour. So that's not great. Ashley's uh, not doing so great. Also, she took back everything she said about Barr, said that he doesn't hit her. I don't know. It's Keeping up with Ashley and Barr online is a little difficult for me. Like I said, I can't really follow them because they go live all the time. And the Shen stuff is so, with Barr's mom, is like, so constantly back and forth, back and forth, that I find their internet acts, uh, antics to be a little too exhausting for me personally. I I don't know. There's I like watching them on TV, and I find them compelling on TV, but I don't find them compelling on the internet. As opposed to someone like Janelle, when she's in her prime, I'm like, you know, LOLing all over town, because I think it's so funny when she's having online meltdowns. But... Ashley and Barr are exhausting. Yeah, that's the only way to phrase it. They're exhausting online. Still like them on the show, though. Also, a lot of people don't like Pastor T, and for that I say shame on you. I mean, I'm not religious and I'm not Christian, but, like, literally who cares if a pastor acts like a normal person? I thought pastors were just normal people. I don't know. I don't get it. I've seen a lot of criticism that because she's a pastor... She's, like, not supposed to act crazy, but, like, who cares? She believes in God, right? Isn't that just what you need to be a pastor? I don't know. Don't at me. I literally have less than zero care to find out what qualifications you need to be a pastor. So don't let me know. Don't follow up with me on that. Anyway, Brianna, what an episode. (sighs) Brianna says that their apartment didn't work out well. They didn't quite know how bad the neighborhood was, even though Danae had lived there before and Jessica was like, that's a really bad neighborhood. And so they just drove to Chicago. 
I Googled, and apparently Milwaukee and Chicago are only two hours apart. So that makes it, I guess, a little more understandable. I definitely thought they were like four hours apart. So that's better than I was expecting. But do people not sign leases? <laughs> She's like, so we left the apartment. What about their furniture? What? I, I'm confused. And they go to Chicago and they go to Robin's house, Danae's mom. And Robin, who I really like Robin, she makes it clear. She's like, I'm not the babysitter. You guys cannot have friends over. And I'm not going to tolerate arguing. She's like, you know, if I want to spend time with the baby, I will. But, like, don't rely, don't think you're going to rely on me to babysit. Which I love. I think Robin is great and no nonsense. Although, okay, so Danae reveals that he set up an appointment and he's going to start taking testosterone. Which, great. I'm all for. But I think the way that he's going about this is very weird. Apparently, they're only going to be in Chicago for a month. And he somehow sets up an appointment for testosterone. And Brianna's like, what? I did. It really sucked that Robin was not supportive about that. Uh, Robin basically, I think, has accepted that Danae is trans so far as, like, fine. If you want to walk around and, like, use male pronouns and call yourself a guy, like, that's fine. But I don't think she wants Danae to actually medically transition, which sucks. Uh, I really felt for Danae there when he was explaining, you know, that he wanted, like, facial hair and more of a cut chin and just, like, masculine features. And Robin was like, well, why do you need all that? And I don't know if Danae had the language to be like, because the dysphoria makes me feel like shit. Um, That, to me, was a sad scene. I thought Brianna wasn't unsupportive. I think she was confused and surprised. Brianna has seemed really trans supportive this whole time. I would be very surprised if Brianna was anti-hemetically transitioning, like really surprised. It doesn't seem, I mean, I guess transphobia should never surprise me, but I, I just would be surprised. Brianna seems really supportive of Danae and what Danae does, like with his life. But I think Brianna was just like, huh? Like, what do you mean you made an appointment? We've been here for four... Like, they got there that the night before after Robin had gone to bed. Or, like, right before Robin was going to go to bed. It's now the morning. Like, they get there Wednesday night, let's say. It's Thursday morning at 10 a.m. And Danae has already set up appointments for himself with a doctor. And I think Brianna was just like, why is this the first time I'm hearing about this? If we're only going to be here for a month, like, why would you be doing this with a doctor in Chicago? I, and I got that. I completely got what she was saying, that she was just confused. I'm sure she assumed that if he was going to medically transition, it would be with a doctor in Wisconsin where she thought they were going to be living. So, yeah, I was definitely disappointed in Robin. Uh, I think she's probably trying Robin, but really isn't doing the best that she could do. That sucked. That was a bummer. And I, I really, I felt for Danae in that scene, but I could see how frustrating Danae is to be around at the same time. Danae is so fucking impulsive and he's manipulative and I think he's a little conniving. And it's like, Danae, I support you medically transitioning, but don't do it as a way to like trap your girlfriend into living somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Danae also goes on a job interview and Robin and Robin and Brie are like, why does he have a job interview if he's only going to be here for a month? Brianna calls her sister and Vanessa has the same thoughts and Vanessa says straight up, like, he's trying to trap you in Chicago. 
So I did notice that Jessica came to visit after two days, I th- which is why I looked up like how far away uh, Chicago is from Milwaukee. Because I was like, uh, Jessica, why did you drive? Like, you couldn't wait two days without seeing your daughter. You had to drive up there to see her. So I think I, you guys know I love Jessica. I'm a big fan of Jessica, but I think I am seeing a little bit of Jessica being a little codependent with Brianna and now with the new baby. And I think that there was probably not a huge need for Brianna or Jessica to drive up to see Brianna then, but you know, I guess that's what Jessica wanted to do. So at the end, we see Danae and Brianna get into this fight that isn't even a fight on Brianna's end. She just says, like, she wants to live in Wisconsin, and Danae has a fucking meltdown. He is screaming on the top of his lungs, like, being so manipulative. He was like, get out. I don't love you. I don't want to be with you. And then he he goes into another room and shuts the door and just starts screaming. And Brianna's just sitting there like, ugh. It was tough to watch. Like, Danae, if... This is really dark, but, like, that was, like, Danae was about to, like, murder-suicide him and Brianna. Like, it was just so fucking over the top. A baby having a total and complete meltdown. It was... It was really hard to watch. And I'm really excited for next week when Robin steps in and takes Brianna's side and then Danae has a meltdown because his mommy's supposed to be on his side. Danae is so fucking immature, and he really is just a little baby. And that's it for Young and Pregnant this week. I am going to do T-Mom 2 now, after a five-second break. Well, here's the thing with T-Mom 2. Why did I need to watch two Chelsea segments before we even got to a Janelle segment? Can someone explain that to me, please? I think I'm just going to start with Janelle. So she says married life with David has been great. Mm, You know, seems unlikely is the word I'm going to use for that. (sighs) Overall, I'm feeling like this married, married life. I'm feeling like this child abuse story is a little dark. (laughs) I don't, I don't know how to phrase it except for that, that It's a little too dark for me, and I kind of wish they hadn't included it in the show. Although I am aware that, like, this is what's happening in in Janelle's life. So I don't know how they do the show without including it. But I don't like the idea that we're supposed to sit here knowing that Kaiser is possibly being abused. Actually, definitely being abused because... I mean, Jace probably isn't lying. And even if Jace is lying, I mean, there there are allegations of abuse coming from both Janelle and David against Doris and Nate and from Doris, Barbara, Jace, Nate, whatever, against Janelle and David. So basically all the adults are agreeing Kaiser is being abused, but they're not agreeing who is abusing him. So I just feel like has this storyline pushed Teen Mom so far into a place that, like, I can't even comfortably watch? Maybe. I know. it. 
I know. People are like, this is what's setting you over the edge. Trust me, I know. But it's, for me, like, very hard to watch this because I know what comes with the online community. I know what comes with, like, what people are going to discuss. I know what I'm thinking, what I'm going to discuss. And it just seems so unfair to Kaiser that all of the adults in his life, Barbara, Janelle, David, Nate, probably Doris, because she's going to be on film at the reunion, are going to make money off of an abuse storyline. I mean, they're all making money because they get paid per episode. And every time Nate's on the screen talking about Kaiser, he's getting paid. Every time Barbara's on the screen talking about Kaiser, she's getting paid. We know Janelle and David are making buku bucks for this. And it just seems... Hmm, not right. It seems not right. Although I I don't know how they do the show and not include it. And this is where I'm having an ethical issue with watching the show. So I'm going to have to just sidestep over that, pretend like it's not happening. So we find out Janelle's not talking to her mom and we get this scene of Janelle, what I would say is probably on some type of Xanax. She's definitely, definitely, definitely on a downer in the scene. And she's crying in her kitchen. And she's like... Doris and I usually get along, but she just, like, served me with custody papers. And I love the way that they they all phrase, like, custody. Like, Nate and Janelle both do it. And Janelle's like, she tried to file emergency custody on me. And I think later in the episode, the episode, later in the episode, Nate says something like putting custody on her. Like, they phrase it so fucking weirdly. Um... Dor- Janelle is like flabbergasted that Doris is wor- Doris is worried about bruises on Kaiser, but David and Janelle claim that he came home from Doris's house with like a full handprint worth of bruises on his butt. Uh, Janelle said, "They said I left him outside in the hot, hot heat." I don't. The way she said "hot, hot heat" kind of made me laugh. Uh, according to Janelle and David, Kaiser won't even go outside alone. Apparently. Uh, what was said on radar is that Kaiser and Jace were, like, locked outside the house for hours in August. Remember, they live in North Carolina. August is very hot and humid. I don't know. I don't know. And supposedly, or they're going to have court next week, although we know that that doesn't end up happening. But in the show, they're having court next week. And Janelle's like, and this is why Janelle is such a monster. This line like, signifies what a fucking monster she is. She's like, just tell me when you want to see him. You can see him. Now you've just opened a big can of worms. I'll never forgive her. It's all about her. Janelle's like, how dare you create this issue between the two of us, and now I'm going to punish you. She doesn't give a fuck about Kaiser. Janelle really doesn't give a fuck about Kaiser. She gives a fuck about David. She gives a fuck about herself. She gives a lot of fucks about her mom, although she won't. She won't admit that she gives a lot of fucks about them, but she gives a lot of fucks about her mom. And that's about it. Her kids are just there. They're just there as tools. Poor Kaiser. I Kaiser needs to be adopted by a nice family. Because to be honest, like, I'm not sure that I believe that Doris and Nate aren't spanking him so hard that he has bruises. And I think that Janelle and David are also spanking him so hard that he has bruises. I don't think that Kaiser has a safe home to go to. I mean, I guess maybe send him to Barbara's. But, like, we see how Barbara is, and you guys all know how I feel about Barbara. 
I don't know. This is so, it's just so upsetting. And Janelle says, now I look at you just like I look at my mom. I'm trying to be happy and you're trying to take my son away from me. That, that so sums up. That should be Janelle's Real Housewives tagline. <laughs> I'm trying to be happy and you're trying to take my son away from me. Like that is absolutely 100% Janelle's Real Housewives tagline. That's what, I mean, that's what she thinks. She thinks she's just living on this earth, doing everything totally right. And all of these evil, cons all of these evil forces are lining up to take her kids away from her. <sighs> we got a scene with Nate and Ryan Dolph, aka two of the biggest fucking idiots this world has ever known. Remember Ryan Dolph was friends with Janelle for a very long time. Um, she met him via Gary Head. Like, way back in the day, Rindolph was her drug dealer. Rindolph is a racist, woman-beating piece of shit. Rindolph is probably worse than Nathan, but Rindolph and Janelle were always friends, although they would get in fights occasionally until David came into the picture, and now they're no longer friends. Here's the thing. Is David isolating Janelle? Yeah, but... All of Janelle's boyfriends isolate her. Janelle isolates herself. Janelle doesn't care to be around other people if David is there. Like, it's easy to be like, David's isolating Janelle from Barbara. Janelle isolates herself from Barbara. Nathan did the same thing. I feel like everybody's blocked out when Nathan and Janelle were together and Nathan would not let Barb around Kaiser. Nathan would not let Janelle talk to Barbara. Nathan wanted Janelle to go get custody from Jace unless he was, like, mad at Janelle and would throw in uh, Janelle's face that Jace should stay with Barbara. Nathan isolated her just as much because it's Janelle. Janelle is a common denominator in all this. By the way, have you guys noticed Nathan is one of those gross abusers who talks about his kids and people around him by calling them, like, when he doesn't really say Kaiser's name often, he's always saying, my son, my son, my son. He does it with Janelle, my ex, my ex, my ex. It's, there's something so possessive about the way he talks about people in his life. And it, oh, it just creeps me out. So Nate is dating a girl who lives in Florida. And he's like, well, I kind of live there, which he does. In case you guys didn't know, Nate absolutely full-time lives in Florida. They drive from Daytona Beach, or no, they live in um like Clearwater, Sarasota area. They live right by Siesta Key, actually. So they drive from there to Myrtle Beach Every other weekend, basically, supposedly, so that Kaiser can see Nathan, which is like an eight or ten hour drive. Like, they drive a significant distance, which is fucking insane. But Nate doesn't give a fuck. Nate wants to be with the girl, the girl who's with him. The girl who's with him. Nate wants to be with a girlfriend over his kids, is what I'm trying to say. So, they're talking about the custody, and Nate says that... Nate says he has orders saying he can see him every other week. The way not Nate talks is so fucking weird. He's so stupid and uses words just so incorrectly. Um, Nate says that Kaiser told him that David punched him, which, yeah, was in the, the emergency custody allegation. Supposedly Doris picked Kaiser up from daycare and Kaiser told grandma that David had punched him and even like mind punching himself. I, guys, I don't know. It's so dark. Um, 
Nate says that whenever Kaiser messes up, like, he'll spill milk by accident, his first instinct is to, like, grab his butt and, like, protect himself. Like, he's being beat on his butt whenever he messes up at home. Once again, like, really dark. And Nate says, I would fight for custody, but I can't because I have pending charges. And that David just seems like he has a tendency to be a violent person. Now, I agree. Dave seems like he seems to be a person who has a tendency to have violent... Uh, he has a tendency to be a violent person. But so is Nate. And they let Nate just say, like, well, I can't because I have pending charges. And they don't mention that his pending charges are multiple instances of beating his ex-girlfriend. Nate is just as much, if not more, of a violent person than fucking David is. And that's why he can't get custody of Kaiser, because he's also an abuser. Ugh, this is why I feel so bad for Kaiser. And this is another reason that I'm really uncomfortable with the storyline playing out, because everybody online is like... Nate should get Kaiser, Nate should get Kaiser. He's so happy when he's with Nate, which, like, yeah, according to social media, he also looks happy on social media when he's with Janelle. We don't see him on camera with Nate. And Nate is an alcoholic who beats people up. He beats his girlfriends up. And it's only a matter of time before he beats this girlfriend he has up. And it's only a matter of time before he starts beating Kaiser up. I mean, thank God he's not allowed to be around Kaiser alone, but... I don't know. I don't know if I trust Doris that she's not, that she doesn't let uh, Nate be around Kaiser alone. <sighs> so, Janelle finds out that the custody story is online and they think that Barbara is the one that encouraged Doris to file for emergency custody. They say that Barbara is doing this as revenge for not being invited to the wedding. Now, I, I want to word this right. I absolutely think that Barbara encouraged Doris to file for custody. I think that she, Doris should file for custody um, based on if what Doris alleges is true, then of course she should have filed for custody. And I support that. However, I don't think that Janelle is wrong, that Barbara's doing it out of revenge. And I think that if Janelle and Barbara were in a better place, that Barbara would not be encouraging Doris to do that. So, and I think this is the thing a lot of times with Barbara. I don't think Barbara is necessarily in the wrong with a, most of the things that she does. But I also think that Janelle is usually right about Barbara's motivations to do things. <laughs> there. I said it. But I think you guys all know that I'm no fan of Barbara. I see a lot of people online say that they should kick Janelle off the show and let Barbara be a main character. And you guys are fucking insane. Barbara's a monster. <laughs> if that happens, we are going to see Barbara screaming in Jace's face just like she, she screams in Janelle's face. Anybody that does not think that Barbara yells at Janelle, Jace the same way she yelled at Janelle is fucking delusional. Guys, this is how Barbara communicates with people. She screams at Jace. She is an emotionally abusive person to Jace. There is no way that that's not true. There's no way that Barbara has become a completely 100% different person and parent and is just like this angelic parent to Jace. Of course, she's a better parent than Janelle. Jace should absolutely be living with Barbara. But I think if Barbara got her own like full scenes and Janelle wasn't on the show and we didn't have Barbara to compare Janelle to... We didn't have Janelle to compare Barbara to. Within one full season, people would be like, oh my God. They would hate her. It would happen so quickly. Because we would see little innocent Jace getting the brunt of it instead of Janelle. 
Barbara's an angry person. She's a screamer. She does not know how to communicate. Jace has a lot of behavioral issues. Jace has a lot of mental health issues. And I just find it very hard to believe that Barbara suddenly knows how to communicate and handle children when she didn't know how to do it with her own. I hope she's doing better. Maybe she's doing a bit better. But I find it hard to believe that her and Jace have a happy, healthy home life and communication. Sorry, I just don't buy it. But Janelle is out of her mind. She's out of her mind. She truly thinks that her and David have done nothing wrong for Kaiser. And the only reason that Doris is filing for custody is to, like, get back at her because Barbara is mad at her. Like, Janelle is so fucking... Janelle does not live in the same reality as the rest of us. Janelle and David are out on that land, not talking to anyone, just being lunatics, pumping each other up. It's really, it's scary. It's really scary that they're so isolated. Janelle says, I might tweet something on Twitter that my my mom is behind all of this. And David's like, yeah, babe, that's a good idea. And I do like seeing the thought process of them, like, talking out tweets. And that is a show I would watch. Which is just Janelle and David pre-planning all of their ridiculous tweets and hearing them explain why they're going to do it. <sighs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kristen, the producer, is over at Barbara's house. Now, I want to say I've been reading a lot of hate online for Kristen, the producer, and if you hate Kristen, the producer, you should turn off this show. Kristen, the producer, is how reality TV producers work. They're all slimy. They all pretend to be friends with the, the cast to get information. Kristen, the producer is incredible at her job. She can get Janelle to talk when Janelle clearly does not want to talk. She gets Barbara to be Barbara. She's good at her job. She's been their producer forever. Guys, don't hate on Kristen, the producer, because she's good at her job. Hate on MTV for breaking the fourth wall so you have to see how slimy production is. (laughs) I mean, that's the truth. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with the fourth wall being broken because they don't like to see production and like what they do but personally I love it I think people also get really upset that Kristen dares to be nice to Janelle um I think that people online hate Janelle so much that they find it incomprehensible that anyone could ever be nice to her and I think this is an issue across the board with a lot of the teen moms and we see the producers being nice to the cast and we're like those fake bitches but the reality is like we don't know what it's actually like to interact with janelle we don't know what it's like to interact with amber or kale or any of these moms so it's easy for us to sit here and be like kristen's so fake she's being nice and being empathetic to janelle what a fake bitch but like maybe she genuinely likes janelle (laughs) i mean it seems hard for us to believe but i don't know I think that Kristen is great. I don't think Janelle and Barbara could have another producer. I think that they, she knows exactly how to handle both of them. I think that, like, panicked look she does and, like, how she's acting like she's always so upset. If you've noticed, she's a little bit like Christina, uh, Gary Shirley's wife. But I think that disarms Janelle, both Janelle and Barbara, and they both really trust her. And they obviously don't find her slimy or two-faced because they've been working with her for years. And they know it's her job. Anyway, rant over. So Barbara is in her kitchen and she's pissed. Barbara is saying that uh, Jace told her that Kaiser had like a poopy diaper and pulled down his diaper and David got mad about it. So he spanked Kaiser. Now, I'm anti-spanking. I don't think David should be spanking 
any kids, and he should especially not be spanking kids that are not his. Uh, yeah, he might help raise Kaiser, and he has for a long time, but Kaiser's not his son. And Doris or Nate or whoever has the ability needs to go and get a clause in the custody agreement that says non-parents are not allowed to uh, physically punish the children. I know that Janelle and Barbara have that for Jace. I know that David is not allowed to touch Jace. And if he did, Barbara could go get their custody revoked. I also believe Jace. I don't see why Jace would go to Barbara and lie about it. If, But then there's also that other layer. Like, do I 100% believe Barbara that Jace told her that? I mean, I do. I think I do. Um, my instinct says yes. But, like, would I? I think Barbara also really, truly believes that David is, like, the worst thing to ever happen to Janelle, as she says over and over again. And I would not be, look, I wouldn't be shocked to find out that uh, Barbara maybe made up something that Jace and said Jace told her something in an effort to make David look bad. I don't think that's what's happening, but I wouldn't be shocked if something like that happened. I just, you know, as I say, I have to live in my truth. Uh, Barbara said she's sick of constantly lying, so when Radar Online called her, she told the truth. (laughs) And Kristen's like, do you think maybe you said that so Janelle will, like, you know, listen to you? Which I thought was funny because that's most likely the truth. And Barbara's like, no, I'm just sick of her lying. Oh, oh, oh. Barbara also says, this is David. I'm telling you, God. I'm telling you. She chose this guy. She's putting this guy over her children. Jesus Christ, haven't you learned your lesson, Janelle? And here's my thing with Barbara is that it's very frustrating to me as a viewer that Barbara will never, like, admit that it's Janelle and that her boyfriends are awful, terrible, no good people who are bad influences on her. But Janelle is the common denominator in every single one of her relationships. She's the one who chooses herself and guys over her kids every single day. She's the one that's always been a fuck up. And it's always been Janelle's fault. But Barbara always puts the blame on, like, the guy that she's with. And Janelle, or Barbara has this, like, magical idea that if Janelle would just be single, like, her whole life would change. She'd be so amazing. She'd get a job. She'd be a great mother. She would care about her kids. She would want to be best friends with Barbara. And that's just never going to happen because Janelle is mentally ill. And Janelle does not care to be a parent, and she does not want to be a mom. And until Barbara can accept that, she's always just going to blame Janelle's boyfriends. And it's exhausting to me, and I see this online a lot with people, too, that it's always David's fault, and before that, it was always Nate's fault, and before that, it was always Cortland's fault, and before that, it was always Gary's fault, and before that, it was always Kiefer's fault, and before that, it was Andrew's fault, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when the reality is, it's like, Janelle is a piece of shit, so she picks piece of shit guys. But even if she was by herself, she'd still be a piece of shit. And she would still be a bad person, and she would still be a bad mother, and she'd still abuse her kids because she has no capacity to be a parent. And it's really scary that Janelle's able to be a parent and able to be alone with these kids because we know she has no coping skills. We know she has no ability to deal with any of her emotions. And it's very, very scary to think that she can possibly be alone with children. And I... Personally, would not be surprised if David is abusing the kids, but I would 100% not be surprised if Janelle was the one beating her kids because I don't think that she will be able, I don't think she can handle kids and toddler breakdowns and emotions and disciplining. That is all out of the realm of capability for Janelle. 
And I want CPS to step in and take all those kids away. I mean, save Marissa, save Kaiser, save Ensley, save Jace, save them all. Save Caden. Is that his name? Caden is such a bad fucking name. Oh, God, have we stopped naming our kids Caden? Anyway, save all those kids from David, but really save them from Janelle, too. Hmm. I think people are over-worried about David and under-worried about Janelle, weirdly enough. I think that Janelle is doing serious damage to her kids, and I think that everybody agrees with that, but I think it's easy to focus on David. Anyway, um, so Janelle finds out about the article that Barbara sold, and Kristen comes over, and Janelle is sobbing. I saw online a lot of stills of this scene to prove that she's smoking meth, but as I said, I think last week or the week before, I personally don't really think Janelle is smoking meth. If she is, I would not be surprised. Uh, If she is, there will be an arrest by the end of the summer involving drugs, mark my words. But I would not be, I, I just don't actively think that she's smoking meth. This episode gave me zero meth indications. This was all a Debbie Downer episode for me. That bitch was on Xanax this whole episode. Um, she looked so bad because she wasn't wearing makeup and her her face was splotchy because she was crying. And that's, Janelle's always looked at her worse when she's crying. So Janelle says that she's like, and David doesn't even have any idea. He's out on the land with his dad and he's going to be so upset. And a lot of people read that as like Janelle being scared that David was going to find out. But I don't. I don't know. I I don't think Janelle is scared of David. And I know that's like a controversial opinion and the internet is so convinced that David is beating Janelle. But I think that Janelle just wants everybody to think that her and David are perfect and can't understand why people don't think her and David are perfect. And that's why she's so upset. And that's why she doesn't want David to find out because then they're going to have to like Taught, like, have a discussion how people don't think they're perfect. Like, I really, I don't know. Could David be beating Janelle? Yeah, of course, because David's a fucking psycho. But I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I know everybody's so convinced that Janelle's a battered woman, but I just, I'm not so sure. And I watched that scene and everyone was like, Janelle seemed terrified that David was going to find out. But I think Janelle was just hurt and upset and didn't want her husband to know that her mom sold stories about him being abusive. I mean, would you want your husband to know that? I wouldn't. I mean, God forbid I'm ever in a situation like that. But anyway, Janelle says that Kaiser and David like roughhouse fight. And that's what Kaiser meant by David punched him. Which like, yikes. I I don't know. I know I keep saying I don't know. Janelle also says she's having nightmares and night terrors about her mom taking her kids. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that was the dark, dark, dark Janelle and David episode. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this for a whole season. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. All right, let's go to Chelsea real quick, who, uh, as I said, got a lot of screen time this week for really no reason. And we find out that they are going to the lawyer so that Aubrey can change her name. 
Aubrey picks Chelsea. Chelsea picks Aubrey up, and Aubrey clearly tells her she's like, "Well, I want to keep Lind." And then Chelsea's like, "Yeah, but add Deboer, right?" No one will ever convince me that this is not Chelsea's idea. I do not believe for one second that Aubrey came up with this idea or even cares that much about this idea. It is totally, totally, totally Chelsea's idea. So Aubrey's like, well, did you tell Grandma Donna? And Aubrey says yes, and that Grandma Donna wasn't mad. And I'm wondering why the fuck it was Aubrey's, uh, I not job, job is the word I'm looking for. Why it was Aubrey's job to tell Grandma Donna about the name change? How is that on Aubrey? How is that fair in any way that Janelle, that Janelle, wow. Hmm. I'm all messed up. How is it fair that Aubrey has to be the one to tell Grandma Donna? That's bullshit. Why couldn't Chelsea just send a text to let Grandma Donna know? Or when Grandma Donna, Grandma Donna comes to pick her up, why couldn't she let her know? We find out that Aubrey still hasn't told her dad yet because Aubrey's scared that her dad will be upset. And Chelsea's like, well, would that make you not want to do it? And if you'll notice, Aubrey doesn't answer. And then Chelsea goes, you're so strong. You do what you want to do, don't you? <sighs> so we get a scene of Randy and his wife coming over. And they heard back from Adam's lawyer pretty quickly. And Adam's lawyer proposed... <laughs> That he would sign the paperwork, but only if they eliminated child support and future child support, or at least, like, considered uh, Cole's income and Chelsea's shared earnings, and eliminated back support, which is, like, (laughs) $10,000. I mean, look, I, is that shitty of Adam? Yeah, of course, of course, but Adam's a shithead, and we know that, and his lawyer would be stupid not to ask for that. And to be honest, if I was Chelsea, I would have signed it. I understand that, like, I, I'm pretty sure Chelsea said, like, the, the child support she gets from Adam, she puts into account for Aubrey anyway. But I think I would just let it go. I think I would just let it go because I just, like, would be so thrilled to just, like, not have to deal with Adam anymore. And just, like, have the last name. But Chelsea's not going to do it and they're just going to go ahead and go to court. Um, Chelsea looks so thin. Have you guys noticed how thin she looks in this episode? She looks good, but I think she's going a little heavy on the Botox. But I can't, like, wow, she got super, super, super thin. Um, yeah, I, mm, you know, I don't know. I think, I think I would have just, just so I didn't have to go to court, but I guess her lawyer felt very confident that, they were going to be able to get the name change anyway, and they did, so Chelsea's lawyer was right. But we find out, but oh, by the way, we get a little shot of Chelsea at Froyo, and her friend Brittany was there. And I don't know if I talked about this, but her friend Brittany is pregnant, and her husband got arrested. Did I talk about this? Her husband got arrested for, um, like, solicitation of a minor. He was on a business trip out of the town, maybe out of the state. I think he was in Wisconsin. He, I don't think he was in South Dakota. And he started chatting with a girl online that he thought was 14. And he showed up and it was the police. And he was showing up for sex with, like, a 14 or 15-year-old girl telling her she should sneak out of the house. Like, saying he would meet her after school. It was disgusting. Like, so, so, so disgusting. And I noticed Brittany was in the background but didn't get a prominent speaking role like she normally does. I wonder how 
they're going to handle that, if they're going to handle that, if they're just going to kind of cut Brittany out of um, the season as much as possible. I wonder if Brittany and this guy are still together. I'm quite curious. Uh, so far, nothing's really happened. This was like six or seven months ago that he was arrested, but, you know, things take forever. I'm sure he won't even go to jail because, well, our criminal justice system sucks. But anyway, I was like, oh, Brittany. And I would be really not surprised if she basically doesn't get featured at all this season just so that they don't have to. So they don't have to address any of this. Because I would imagine if Britney's, I mean, we've, like, Britney had a pregnancy test in her bag at one point. Like, we've kind of, Britney's always been, like, Chelsea's second best friend after Chelsea Grace. And I can't imagine that Britney would get pregnant and they wouldn't talk about it on the show. But I'm guessing they just won't so that they won't have to address the fact that Chelsea's friends are the pedophile. Now, Chelsea didn't know he was a pedophile. But I don't think MTV wants to go there with their number one star. So Chelsea Grace comes over and they talk about the fact that Adam got arrested for domestic violence. Um, It's really bad. Adam's new girlfriend, like the victim, filed a restraining order against him. And she claimed she broke her arm, that his drug use is out of control that he's, like, locking her in the house, and Chelsea's, like, beyond upset about it. Well, I mean, I'm assuming she's beyond upset about it. She didn't really seem beyond upset about it, but she is going to talk to her lawyer, and they are going to refile visitation. So it has to be in the visitation center, and if Aubrey goes to his parents' house, that Adam can't be there at all. And to that, I say, finally. Adam is... It's scary. It's really, really, really scary. So, yeah, that was that was it. And in the scenes for, like, this season, I'm assuming it's after visitation. Chelsea's crying, and she's like, his mom was so mean to me. And I'm just like, ugh, you're such a baby, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea is such a little baby to me. God, I, I just irrationally hate Chelsea. Okay, so the next three storylines, is that three? Yeah. So, Kale, Leah, and Brianna are all kind of interconnected. So, I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to talk about this. I guess I'll start with Kale. But they're very, like, like I said, they're all, they're all connected. So, it's a little tough. I take that back. I'm going to talk about Brianna first. So... Brianna and Brittany are in LA for the VMAs and Leah is also there. So the three of them are going to get their makeup done together and go to the VMAs together. I don't know if they went in the same car, but like, you know, they're going together. And um, they go to get ready with Leah and we get like a voiceover from Brianna that her and Javi, (laughs) her and Javi have been talking online and it gets pretty flirty. So people think they're dating Remember, at this point, Brianna's tweeting stuff like, where's Bay?" And Javi's like, right here. Like, they weren't just being flirty. Like, they were obviously wanting people to, like, pay attention to them. Um, I did notice how much Brittany and Roxanne looked alike. Did you guys notice that? That scene, Brittany looked so much like Roxanne. So this is the first time Leah and Bri are really meeting, and Leah's extensions look like trash. <laughs> Uh, Brittany, like, makes a comment that Leah has a nice butt. That was funny. And they start to talk about Lewis. He 
has his new trucking job, but he does not see no, excuse me, he does not see Stella at all, and he, like, doesn't even check up on Stella. So he's working, and I'm assuming providing child support, but not in Stella's life. So Devon is in jail for outstanding warrants for something drug-related. And Brie, like, brings up, she's like, well, you know, the only person I really talked to is Javi, and he's coming to Orlando. And Leah's like, yeah, what's going on with that? I'm confused because, like, I see you guys talk on Twitter. And Bree's like, well, you know, like, we're just friends. Bree's obviously, 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 like, starting shit here. She knows what she's doing. She definitely knows what she's doing. Bree's, like, really into starting drama. Leah seems so uncomfortable, you can tell. Leah does not do well in situations like this. (laughs) Bree says that Javi is coming to Orlando. They're going to stay at the same hotel and resort and they're like going to hang out together. But they're just friends. Or at least she thinks they're just friends. She's like, well, I don't know how Kale's going to feel about it. And Leah's like, I don't think she's going to be happy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Leah actually did well in this scene, I thought. And Bree doesn't think that uh, Kale knows. Or she that they're going to be staying in the same hotel. And Leah and Bree both agree that Javi needs to be the one to tell Kale. And Bree's like, well, you know, Kale's my number. Like, she, if she has an issue with me, like, she can contact me. Like, I'm not going to reach out to her. And uh, Bree gets a FaceTime from Javi. And, like, on the Chiron thing, it said Bree's friend, Javi, which, like, is funny because in the scene before, we saw him introduce his uh Kale's ex-husband, so... (laughs) Okay, MTV, I see you. And you can tell, like, Leah overhears their conversation. He's telling Brie how pretty she looks, and Leah's just like, this is so uncomfortable and weird. I, like, genuinely, genuinely, genuinely feel bad for Leah, because I think she just, like, MTV is like, hey, you know, Brittany and Brianna are here. Like, why don't they come up and get their hair done? And Leah's like, sure. But actually, at the same time, like, Leah did say she had been seeing them tweet online and shit, but I don't know. I don't know what Leah, like, thought exactly would be happening. Brittany's like, you guys just have to leave me out of the drama. When the drama starts, it's not going to be my problem. And Leah's like, oh my god. By the way, Brianna looked beautiful at the VMAs. Brittany looked great, except she has, her fake butt is, like, crazy. And I'm wondering if she got hers done, too, and Brianna re-got hers got hers redone uh Brittany needs to just looks a little diapery unfortunately um and I think Brittany's like so beautiful and I loved her jumpsuit I loved Brianna and Brittany's looks Leah was I mean look she is just a little too country music awards for me at all times even when Leah's looking her best it's just a little too country music awards for me so we find out that Javi's trip got pushed back because of the hurricane. That was Hurricane Irma, in which you all heard me have a life meltdown where I got on this podcast and cried because I was so scared. <laughs> if you guys will remember when I evacuated to Pennsylvania and had a life meltdown and it was the worst fucking week of my life, um, it was that hurricane I'm surprised that they didn't film Hurricane Evacuation, and I know they had Nova's birthday during the evacuation. I think that would have been a really good, like, segment. I would have liked to watch that. I'm surprised. I'm guessing maybe MTV 
didn't want... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to send a crew there knowing there would be a hurricane. But to me, it's like, send the crew there if you know there's going to be a hurricane. <laughs> so, because of the hurricane ch changes, plans have changed. And they aren't going to stay at the same hotel with him. Okay, in this whole time, I'm under the impression that... Uh, Brianna in, is clearly going to stay at the same hotel, but not in the same hotel room. I never thought that they were going to stay in the same hotel room. So now I think I need to cut back to Leah because I can't, I don't know if we can go into the rest of this without also jumping to Kale and, uh, to Kale and Leah and honestly, that's, like, really rude of MTV to do because it makes recapping harder for me. And truly, how dare they? So, Leah is back home after the VMAs and a producer comes over. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but she was slurring really bad. Sorry, not sorry. Leah was fucked up in that scene. I don't know how to say it any other way. <laughs> Except to me, she clearly seemed fucked up. Um, especially in contrast to the VMA scene where she seemed totally normal she was like it was hard for her to get her words out she was really thinking about what she was going to say and she was slurring i i know people don't want to admit it but leah's not quite as well as she wants us to think she is so she calls kale on camera and tells her about brie and she says that um brie told her that her and javi are staying in the same hotel and really makes it sound like she, the same hotel room. She doesn't say the same hotel room, but she says the same hotel. And by the way, they needed to add subtitles to Kale because Lee was talking to her like on speakerphone and I could barely understand what she was saying. Kale says she feels confused because she thought like she and Brie were friends. They got surgery together in Miami last year. Was <laughs> when Kale and Brie both originally got their Dr. Miami surgeries. They did it all together. And Leah keeps saying girl code, but she says it really weird, if you guys didn't notice. And after they talk, Kale sends Leah a text that Javi basically told her it was none of her business. So, that brings us back to Kale. Well, no, that brings us back to Brianna. But Leah basically says it in a way that Kale hears it, that they're in the same hotel room. And I'm thinking, like, nobody ever said they were in the same hotel room. But that's definitely the way that it got back to Kale. So, Brie FaceTimes with Javi. And they're, like, talking about how they're excited for him to be there. And Javi says that uh, Kale called him and was, like, she heard that they were staying in the same room. And Brie was, like, what? Like, how did she get that? And says the original plan was to get a huge suite and not stay in the same room because it was going to have, like, four beds. And I was like, mm. well, I was sitting here trying to defend Brianna. <laughs> I was ready to go on this big, huge thing about how they were just staying at the same hotel but not in the same room. And, like, that's totally different than, uh, than staying in the same room together. But, mm, you know, they were going to stay in the same hotel room. <laughs> At least that's, like, I mean, what's really the difference between a suite and a hotel room uh, if the kids are all sleeping in the same place? Also, I just, I don't know. I don't think that's appropriate. With the boys there, I really don't think that's appropriate. I don't think that's how you blend families, basically, how you make them meet. 
Uh, no, did not like it. So I was glad that that change planned. That change planned? I said that twice. That plan changed. So Javi says something along the lines of like, there's a lot of rats out there. And it's like talking about Leah and <sighs> stupid, stupid. And by the way, everybody keeps talking about the reunion. They're hyping the reunion up so much. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're not even going to get to see the best of the Janelle and Nathan fight because Nathan's girlfriend was evol- involved in a lot of it. And MTV like can't even use her voice. She can't be featured in any way. They can't say her name. They can't use her voice. So that sucks for us. But they're really hyping up this, like, the reunion, the reunion. We're all going to be together. By the way, there's also, like, a hilarious, uh, like, image floating around. And it's a caption from, I guess, a trailer. And it's Leah, Chelsea, and Kale sitting on a couch talking to Larry, the producer, I think. One of the main producers. And saying something along the lines, like, well, what do we do about Janelle in Brie so that we can continue filming. And it's like, if Leah and Chelsea are so fucking dumb that they're going to put six figures on the line because Janelle and, or because Kale and Brie are mad at each other, they're fucking idiots. I can understand not wanting to film with Janelle, not wanting to film with David and all the mess that comes with them. But Brie is so non-offensive. She's so stupid and silly. <laughs> Chelsea and Leah are really that fucking dumb if they back up Kale on this and demand that Brie not be filmed. <laughs> idiots and I think they're stupid enough that they would go along with what Kale suggests okay so having the boys are at Disney and Kale FaceTimes with the boys and Kale seems really surprised that Nova's there and Javi kind of like takes the phone and he's like gotta go and she's like I didn't even get to say goodbye he's like they're busy no they're busy Whew. so the whole gang goes to dinner which is like Roxanne Brittany Javi and all the kids and Roxanne once again brings up the reunion and Javi's like, look, there's like drama, there's fighting and I don't want to say it's clicky, but like certain people hang out with certain people. And Javi is like, he brings up Kale and this is in front of the boys. And I thought it was a really, really good, bad look for him talking shit about Kale. And at one point even says like their mother. No, Javi did not like it, did not like it. And Javi has like a shit eating grin on his face. And he's like you know, not to stir the pot, but it was Leah that told Kale we were sharing a room. And Roxanne's like, oh, that's fucking crazy. And you can tell Roxanne's pissed, but at the same time, she's like, just let it go, let it go. And Brittany pipes up like, y'all two need to not stop drama because if that happens, I have to fight for you. (laughs) I love, Brittany's so funny to me. She's like, ugh, you guys know I really don't want to fight, but if you two start fighting, then I have to fight. (laughs) Just made me laugh. And um, she says she doesn't want a Team Mom 3 reunion all over again. But I'll be honest, I've not watched the Team Mom 3 reunion since it was on the air. And I don't remember what happened. So, yeah, that's it for Brianna. And I I don't know how interested I am in seeing the Brianna Javi line. Line. The Brianna Javi, like, relationship play out. I will be interested to see them break up if that's on camera. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. 
Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.